Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and mamas around the world. My nine-month-old, Eliza, so I have a four-and-a-half-year-old, and I've got a nine-month-old, and my nine-month-old has found her voice. She keeps saying, da, 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 da. It's mama, mama. She's like, da, 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 da. And I'm like, ma. Mama. <sighs> We're in Janet Lansbury's class. Those of you who are rye enthusiasts, I know you'd be like, you know what I'm talking about. That was a big name drop I just did there. We're in Janet Lansbury's class, and there's about six other nine month olds. And we sit there and mindfully watch them explore. And Eliza is so loud. So everyone's just quietly sitting there, and the and the babies will squawk, obviously. But Eliza, she vocalizes every moment of her experience. <laughs> and Janet did say that little Eliza, she's got lungs of an opera singer. I mean, when she wakes up from a nap, you can hear her in the basement. I should probably rephrase that. I, she's not napping in the basement, although that would be better. It'd be darker. Anyway, I marvel at the vocal freedom my daughter has. She doesn't care how much noise she's making. She doesn't care when it's like the most annoying sound in the entire world. It's, it's so great. There's just zero self-awareness. Wouldn't that be so liberating. You know, she never sits in her stroller thinking like, "Ugh, why did I say that? I wish I hadn't shared that. <sighs> I'm now already thinking, why did I share that my daughter sometimes makes an annoying sound? <laughs> uh, I am telling you, sometimes she makes the most annoying sound. God, I love it. And I got to admit, it's it's scary to find your voice uh, for those of us mamas. It can be scary for us to find our voice when we've been conditioned to be the good girl. You know, I used to get strep throat all the time as a kid. And as a way of procrastinating for this intro, I was like, I'm going to Google throat chakra. <laughs> I'll tell you what can cause a throat chakra blockage. Family can. Your family can cause a throat chakra blockage, right? <sighs> See, like, why do I even have to say right? Like, you agree with me, right? Like, how insecure is that? Maybe I should just be like, because I'm talking about chakras. And that's just, that sounds a little silly. It sounds a little bit like I've been binge watching Wild Wild Country. Oh, man. Who's watching Wild Wild Country? I'm so sad that I'm done with it now. I need to really channel some Sheila. I got to be Sheila. I got to, uh, we're going to turn this podcast into a cult. It's going to be great. 
I read a blog called How to Empower the Chakra of Speech, and the last tip is this. This was on the blog Elephant Journal. Express yourself. Speak up. Share something about yourself with someone. Write a poem. Sing. Express your unique voice in whatever way you wish. That's one of the ways that you can empower the chakra of speech. By expressing yourself. Speak up. So today we're talking about expressing motherhood. It's a storytelling event with local moms happening in different cities throughout the year. And so I just went to the LA show. And what impresses me most is how even though the performers could not be more different and their stories couldn't be more different, you know, there's the funny parts and the devastating moments, the unifying thread of motherhood ties us all together. I will never walk in these mama's shoes, but I can be witness to their powerful stories. And in that, I don't feel so alone. Today, I wanted to give voice to the woman behind the scenes who sets the stage for all this magic to happen, Lindsay Cavett. So we're going to be talking about how to get stuff done. She's got three kids. How does she get stuff done? How does she put together a whole show? And what are the growing pains involved in learning how to speak up for yourself? Oh, I should also say that when Lindsay says that she started expressing motherhood when her kid was a year old, I, like, guffawed. It was only in editing that I realized, oh, I started a Tom Bombs podcast with my friend Bianca Kylick when Sabrina was a year old. So maybe that was <laughs> a subconscious uh, chortle at myself. Nothing stops us, right, moms? Nothing stops us. <sighs> Not even intense heart palpitations. You'll know more about what I'm talking about when you actually listen to this episode. I'll be right back with Lindsay Cavett. But first, I wanted to share a little funny moment from the recent L.A. show. As they say on their website, Mommy Tonk is not safe for work, children, or basically anyone who has any standards. (laughs) Shannon Noel and Stacey Burrows are two moms who met while doing Expressing Motherhood, and they formed this duo. So here's a moment from Mommy Tonk's parody of Mom Crush, and then I'll be right back with Lindsay Cavett. I've got a mom crush Hate to admit it, but That bitch ain't got thrush Like my baby does She got her nails done Just got her hair did She shops at Nordstrom Not talking the Lindsay sitting across from me, you guys, how should I describe Lindsay? Okay, she's totally (laughs) Judy Garland. She's the gal who would be like, let's put on the show in the barn and get everyone together and do it. Am I right, Lindsay? That is so true. Yes. You nailed it. That was me as a child, always organizing my neighborhood friends to put on shows. No, stop. Yeah. No, my little brother, I'd make him go around with a red wagon and sell tickets and I was always very, I know you're not supposed to say it, bossy, whatever. whatever. I'm embracing bossy. Thank you. Well, I thought there was a new word we're supposed to use, whatever. I had initiative. And in 2018, <laughs> that's what I would tell my daughter she has. Yeah, I've just always loved 
directing and producing ever since I was a little girl. Okay. And so to bring our listeners up to speed, you have three children, ages mm-hmm. 11, 8, and 6. Yep. And your fourth child that you've been loving and nurturing for <laughs> 10 years now is the show Expressing Motherhood. So tell our listeners a little bit about what Expressing Motherhood is. Thank you. So Expressing Motherhood is a national play where people share their stories about motherhood on stage. And it's not only just monologues, but it can also be songs. And I've even had somebody do a modern dance to motherhood, which was amazing. She was an old childhood friend. And the show um, was conceived in 2008. And within a year, I took it to New York City, and it sold out off off Broadway. And I knew that, you know, that we were onto something. So what are some of the cities you've hit up? Um, so LA, obviously, New York, Boston, Chicago, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Dubuque, Iowa, Santa Barbara, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, Tacoma, Washington, and Louisville. There we go. I knew there was a southern city. Yes. So what's the process? How do you find the performers? So for me, it was really important when I started the show, I had a one-year-old and I didn't have a nanny. Because that's a great time to start something. Right. But it's really convenient. But I, I was really jealous of my male counterparts in the film industry who were working their way up. And I really felt left out. And I say male just because I ended up hanging out with a lot of guys in film production. And I knew that I needed to do something creative. So I wanted to take a writing class at UCLA. They have a play, you know, they have lots of uh, writing classes there, but Mm -hmm. I was too tired to make it there by seven o'clock at night. I was exhausted. So I thought, what about a collaboration where people submit their stories? And since I didn't have a nanny and don't have family here in LA, everything needed to just be streamlined. And so I would receive submissions through email. And I would pick their stories based off their stories and then cast them and then meet them at our one or two rehearsals we would have before the show. So everything, you know, and this was back in 2008. Things were really different back then. Um, There wasn't, there weren't a ton of bloggers. There wasn't Instagram, you know, I think, I don't even know. I didn't use Facebook back. Well, I I think it just joined, but Mm -hmm. I didn't use it for expressing motherhood. So it was a lot of word of mouth, really, and putting up flyers. And I did do a casting notice in, you know, a local L.A. trade magazine. And when you decided, like, I'm going to put on a show and take submissions, who did you talk to about this? Or how did you say, like, I'm going to reach out? And how did you find a theater? And right. You know, I called my friend Jessica Cribs. She helped me co-create this in the beginning. She was along for the ride for the first few years. And I just said, I have this idea. What do you think? And she helped me flesh it out. And she's like, I'll do it with you. So it was very kind and sweet of her. And I had her, but I also just had this fearlessness because I had just had a baby. And I figured I've never done that before. And he's still (laughs) alive. And then... um, the theater actually was recommended to me by my friend Polly, Polly Mae Tolanen, and she sadly died a month before the first show, and she was my best girlfriend here in L.A., and she was an actress, and she did lots of theater, and um, I felt with her death the next month when the show was going on, I didn't care what, what people thought. You know what I mean? Like, I was such in a state of mourning 
it gave me, a, it's given me a lot of bravery to do this show and just be like, Fuck. sorry, I don't know if I can see that, but <laughs> screw it. I'm sorry. You didn't hear that. But um, that really like helped launch. I didn't have a lot of fear at that time or care, mm. you know? And so she's never, she never saw the show, but I always start the show with Sarah by Fleetwood Mac because that song played a lot right after she passed away. And it reminds me of, you know, the sisterly, like, bond, especially when you're in a city in your 20s, right? Like that, and you're starving artists. You really, they, because she was my family, like my chosen family. So anyway, it's given me a lot of, uh, yeah, courage to do this show. I, I remember guess. in my 20s, mm-hmm. uh, a young woman had died in a car accident and they did a thing at the Grove. They actually like rented out a movie theater at the Grove mm-hmm. for the memorial and I was thinking how cool that was. And I and for any transplants, I mean, this probably mm-hmm. sounds really bizarre to share, but anyone who is living in a city where their friends and family aren't, right. I would have this weird anxiety about, like, if I passed away here, like, do, there would be no service. Or, like, who mm-hmm. would show up at my service? And, like, I had this weird thing of, like, yeah. People wouldn't be at the theater at the Grove, <laughs> no, <laughs> which is like so messed up. It's funny you thought about that. But right it was now. like this, like, I, yeah, that was the moment where I was like, oh, I'm not rooted here yet. Like, right. I don't have my people. Yes. And it's it was a weird motivating factor uh-huh. in reaching out to people yes. and being like, no, no, I live here now. No, so I t- I get it. And I, I can parlay the whole experience. For me, the gift of expressing motherhood has been the community. And yeah, it's so important to have it. Even though you're here to pursue, in the beginning, to pursue your dreams, right? Like you have to have community in order to thrive, Mm -hmm. I think. And especially once you become a mother, it's just too isolating. So yeah, it's been my community. Yeah. So when performers submit Mm -hmm. their work to you, when do you read all the work or what are your little rituals before you start reading it so that yeah. you come at it from like an open and accepting place? Like I imagine you're yeah. not doing it right after bedtime if you've been yelling at everyone to go right. to bed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but yeah, I definitely have, I've figured out how to streamline everything and I wait, you know, I have an open submission for about a week and then I will sit down and read the pieces and just sort of choose over how it's going to fit together as a whole puzzle. You know, I don't want to have too many pieces on the same topic. We have some seasoned storytellers, and then we have people who have never performed before. So, which is so nice to have that, you know, mixture. I think because the store, this show was born in LA, people assume it's actresses. And um, it was really funny when I started because I was younger and my husband was already established. So people kept assuming that he was editing the pieces. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not everybody. Is he an actor? Or what's He's a writer. So it's just oh. sort of fun. You yeah. know how it is, oh, right? Oh, that's so sexist. It's so sexist. But yeah, now that I'm older, I don't get that. Yeah. Or it was so funny. Jessica and I, when we put on the show and these two women afterwards, she came up to us and she was just, her jaw was open. She said, who, but who does this show? And we just started laughing. We said, it's us. You know, it was just so funny. Um, but I think that's gotten, you know, people understand like, okay, you know, she's doing it. Yeah. I mean, well, it's also cool to have Instagram and stuff now because we can see right. the Insta stories and like we see the behind the scenes. Yes. And we really see that you're doing all of this yourself. Yeah. Like we see you coming back from a trip. Right. 
No, and I, and of course it's not just me. I don't mean to say it that way. I also have wonderful local producers who have helped me bring the show to their cities. And so I don't even fly back for some of those. That's something new I started doing the last two years. And that's been really great to expand to more places. And do you find that with the new performers, mm. I mean, you've had mothers talk about very, very personal Deeply personal mm-hmm. things. For example, you had a performer talk about, you know, bringing her son across the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you coach these performers mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. they share but yeah. don't overshare? Yeah. Well, her story, she shared with us what she wanted to share, and I really helped curate her piece so mm-hmm. she felt comfortable. Clearly, this performer made it, I think, really connected with people as to why she had to leave. She became a widow and was by herself with a few children. So she had to um, come back to where her family was and leave her children there for a while. And so, yeah, I definitely work with people a lot, making sure they share what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And how do you follow up afterwards? Because I find on the podcast, when... You're in a comfortable environment or mm-hmm. as just a personal like shame spiraler. Yep. You share yep. and then the next day it's the like, oh, I shared. And right. those are always the moments. That's the good stuff usually, yep. right? That's the stuff that's worth sharing are the things that make you shiver the next day. It's true. And I think there's beauty in live theater because a lot of those stories just – live and then they stay there within the confines of the box and the audience's heart. Mm. I had not really pushed putting their pieces up on video on YouTube. I wasn't super into social media in the beginning. I was anti-iPhone, like Mm-hmm. Kill me. That was kind of stupid. Don't do that for your business in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because I, um, no, I but I just wanted it. I wanted above everything else for it. Those performers to enjoy their time and like feel good about everything. Yeah, I haven't had knock on wood, which I'm not going to because it'll make too much noise um, <laughs> into the microphone. But people feel good about it because yeah. they know it's not. Yeah. Whereas in social media, you're like, oh my God, who's going to like feel it? Exposed. Who's going to comment? Right? right. It's more negative. I It can mm-hmm. be. Whereas the theater, there's like this camaraderie and sisterhood almost, you know? So it's nice. Yeah. So far. Do you have any advice for mother who's thinking like, I'd like to sit down during my child's nap time and start writing something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any advice about like where she could start like what does she tap into is it just a writing for like can you give a homework assignment for moms that are feeling like they want to do something creative but they're just sort of like oh i don't even know where to start i know just start i think that's just always it but if you're thinking of if you want to write just write i mean really just do it i think all of us want to be perfectionists sometimes and just like just get it done just start writing journaling and see what comes at you. Because yeah, somebody recently submitted a piece and I said, this is so great, but it's not for expressing motherhood, but um, come back at me with something else. And she did. And it was, it was amazing. It was, she was in my Portland show. Uh, She had something happen with her. Anyway, she was virally 
picked on by somebody. So she made national news because of that. And she wanted to share that story, but it wasn't an expressing motherhood story. But she just wrote something else. And she's never performed before. And she was amazing. So I guess just write. That's such good advice. I think of all the times that I would put something out there and then if it wasn't an automatic yes, I'd be like, okay, well then that must mean it's terrible and I'm never going to do it again. I know, No, just like do it again. Just (laughs) do it again. Yeah. So how do you get it all done? The show. And being a mother of three children. Well, I've had a long time to work on that. But I used to really, it's the cliche, but my son took really long naps, three-hour naps. How? Because he was up start every there? two oh. hours. Oh, God. Oh, Never my mind. God. That's why. In the nighttime. So he'd nap, <laughs> he napped for three hours, and I just started doing it on the computer. And then um, I didn't have an iPhone again. So I wasn't, then when I was off, I was off. I was just with him. But every time I had, I was, he went to sleep, I worked on it, and um Oh, I also like to get stuff done way in advance. I have anxiety, I'm sure, as a lot of us do. For me, I I just break down if I have too much to do. And then I have a deadline of the show. Like, that does not work for me. I have to get stuff done far in advance. And I have, like, I have a system for it. So tell us your system. Okay. Well, I mean... So submissions, I have a certain amount of time submissions can be that I will accept. It's okay, usually so you block one week. off time yeah. for what, you know, if you're one getting week. submissions or whatever you yeah. need. Okay. So, so it's not like an ongoing this- month long thing, you know, Great. because some guys can do that or women, but I'm a basically kind of a one woman show. So yeah. with three kids. So I do that. Then I get through my submissions. I and I've already booked the theater. You book the theater first, then you do the submissions. And then you cast the show, and then you just tr- then you sell tickets, and it's just that. Oh, and you it's so cool, everybody. <laughs> Lindsay doesn't have. I was like, do you have your performers sell the tickets? Like, do they have to sell ten tickets? You know, sort of like a buy-in thing. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is a, you might be wondering what the heck is Ellie talking about? It's a very Los Angeles thing mm. to like you know if you are gonna go do yeah. stand up somewhere you have to it's a bringer show like you have I've to heard s- of that oh yeah it's yeah. a big thing with stand up i was i tried to be a part of some theater company yeah. when i first moved out here and ah, they had all okay. of these requirements and i was like this is a pyramid scheme yeah so <laughs> oh the coolest thing ever is <laughs> i had asked Lindsay before i went to the show i was like so do they sell tickets or what's the deal and she's like mm-hmm. no i just want them to enjoy performing yeah and I find a lot of them won't tell their – thank you for saying that's kind. I find a lot of them are shy about, you know, telling people. Yeah. And I have gotten to the point where I'm like, don't be shy. Show's going to be good. You're in good hands because a lot of them will come, and it's only a one-night show. And they'll say, oh, my gosh, mm. the show was so good. If I had known, I would have told people. You know, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, oh, it – but I, I understand. Yeah. So that is my responsibility. Yeah. To get people there. Give yeah. us some secrets. I want to be more efficient and productive. Okay. Well, I say no a lot. So I'm not, you know, doing PTA stuff. I don't overstretch myself because I, um, at 35, my heart started racing really fast. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. What's, I don't know, because I wasn't afraid back then. I, I'd never been sick in my life. I was like, that's interesting. Look at my heart trying to beat its way out of its chest. 
And um, finally, I ignored it, ignored it. And I had my kids were really young. I was doing a, li- a lot too much at that time. <laughs> a lot too much. A lot too much. Yeah. Move and shows. And it was too much. And suddenly on January 1st, um, my heart started going. And about half an hour in, my husband said, you got to go to the ER. But our kids were napping. And we had, you know, little kids there. And we didn't want to wake them up. So dumb. So I drove myself to the ER. He goes, tell him it's your heart. You'll get in right away. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. He is a good guy. Don't worry. But I get there thinking this is going to be nothing. I literally was relaxed on the way there because I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting a break. I'm not joking. And, and then they're like, whoa. And then they took, you know, and then I was like, Ugh. they started, you know, putting stuff up on my chest, you know, sensors. And then I started to get really nervous. Then I called my mom and I was like, Hey, mom, this is happening. (laughs) And I heard the doctor say, she's got one minute. You know, not that I was going to die, but I was like, what's happening in one minute? So I was so scared. So I texted my husband. Then I was like, get the F here now. Like, and we moved to a new neighborhood. So he didn't know anybody to drop the kids off with. Ladies, have people that you can drop your kids off with if you have to go to the ER. Don't drive yourself. So then they converted my heart three times to stop it from going into this crazy pattern of 180 beats per minute. Anyway, I converted. It's fine, but I was so scared. Turns out I have a heart condition that I guess I was born with but never had happened before because I had never been so stressed out. Also, not drinking enough water, drinking too much wine too much caffeine and not getting enough sleep. All um, big, they set off my heart. So yeah. So this is so insane. But I swear to God. So I, every time I tell this story, so I changed my life. I was like, this is it. I have to take care of myself because I started getting anxiety and I actually, yeah, had to, yeah, do unhealthy things to control my anxiety. So I wanted to go the healthy route and I'm not against drugs by any means. Like I'm not against anti-anxiety. I don't mean that. Um, but I started to sleep more, take a nap, drink water, say no even more. Every time I post about this, some thin type A woman, I swear to God, comes out of quietly emails me and says, my heart's been racing, but I haven't done anything about it. Every time somebody does that and I'm like, okay, you just need to go. You need to get a heart monitor for about a month and then they'll, you know, see, see what's going on. But what I'll, heart disease, heart disease is the number one killer of women, not breast cancer, which is sort of, I don't know if you knew that or not. I may, maybe it's becoming more widely known, but it's the number one killer, heart attacks. Yeah. For, for those of us listening, that might sound crazy to drive yourself. But as a mom, that totally makes sense because there have been so many times when I've done things like that. Even when I was pregnant with Eliza, I was 20-something weeks pregnant, and I went to the hospital on a Friday evening. And I wanted to go by myself because my husband was still working, and he had like a big deadline. And a lot of people were depending on him. And my OBGYN was like, no, you're not going to drive yourself to the hospital. And I was like, no, but it'll be fine. Or I'll go in the Uber. And they're like, no, like (laughs) he needs to take you. Yep. Uh, but and then the next morning I had to go back for a follow up. This was the beginning of my whole bed rest oh, thing. Okay, and that time I did drive myself, but things wow. had settled down a bit. But yeah, so I hear you. Right. Moms probably drive themselves to the hospital all the time, all and it's probably like always have to be like the last moment, like it's so when you're true. about to be on the floor. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just you know, 
you got to take care of yourself. So I take care of myself now. Give us one way you take care of yourself. I drink a lot of water and I guard my sleep. I, um, yeah, I have to have sleep because that can be a trigger for my heart. So yeah, I just drink a lot of water and guard my sleep. What's the name of your condition? It's called AVNRT. Um, I cannot, it's like atrial, whatever. I'm not a doctor, but it's called AVNRT. I can't pronounce it, but it's a type of SVT, a superventricular. Or tachycardia. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just scary more than anything. Yeah, because you can pass out from it. But thankfully, I don't. Do you ever tell the kids, like, yes, knock it off. Your mom's got a heart condition. Okay, so I, I told them that a few times. And then the hush shrinks, like, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's bad. I was like, you're going to give me a heart attack. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was horrible. But anyway, yeah. So. What's the most surprising thing that's ever happened at a show? At the theater we were at, it was so funny. There was a mom, and she said, she was about to go on stage. She goes, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, and all of a sudden she started vomiting. No. And I was like, get her outside, you know, because I'm thinking everyone's going to get the stomach bug. So she was so, I felt so bad, but she was so cute. She's like, oh my God, the show just has to go on. Don't worry. And so her family had the tummy bug, but thankfully. Oh my God, she did have the stomach bug. It wasn't just nerves. No, it wasn't nerves. She had the tummy bug, but nobody else got it. Oh, you're so So lucky. We all just got it. We're Clorox. No, this was um, years ago. We were all Cloroxing the you know, microphone, but, um, that was pretty, yeah, that was like a kind of funny moment. And also like a great mom moment. It was such a mom moment. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. I think a month ago, Sabrina threw up seven times in one day. Oh no. So bad. We all got it. Did you all get it? It was so bad. I haven't gotten that in a few years. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to ask you to read something. I've not, okay. you know. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know I was going to make you do this, but I pulled a very old blog post of yours, and I'd like you to read it because I'd like to talk to you about it, and it's called Notes from a Good Girl. Yeah. Hi. So I'm just going to read this part. I wish I hadn't spent so much time trying to be good. I wish that I'd stayed out later. I talked to another woman recently who was a quote-unquote good girl, just like me. Under a beautiful, setting L.A. sun, we realized we came from similar upbringings. We were the girls trying so hard to be good because other things were happening that were, well, bad. Sometimes I find myself relentlessly riding my oldest son, who reminds me a lot of myself at that age, wanting him to mind his table manners. I find myself confused by his abrasive ways of stating his opinions, clashing with my own upbringing. More than being good, I want my son to be happy. More than being good, I want him to care deeply about others. I cringed lately when my husband said I had been so good about working out. Don't call me good, I spat in my head. About a year ago, we were at my son's graduation from a class. A balloon maker was there. As the children kept jumping up and down, the balloon maker kept saying, Please, sit down, be good, like that little boy. And he pointed to my son. Yet he kept giving the balloons to the other children who made more noise or refused to sit. After 10 minutes, I wanted to scream at him, give my child a bleeping balloon. And finally, he gave my child a balloon. I hissed to my husband, what is the point of being good? Perhaps this is deeply cynical and unapologetically tidy. But like I said, I'm going through a rebellious streak. Lindsay, how's the rebellious streak going? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wrote this and it's definitely continued to go. 
I have really changed and spoken up, started speaking up. That's been a big learning curve for me. I give credit to living in LA, though I know there's lots of outspoken women in, all over the country. Um, but yeah, I've learned to, you know, I had to put up made severe borders. I, you know, cut off somebody in my family. And so, yeah, that was a big rebellious streak, although it's really just taking care of yourself. Yeah. So learning boundaries. Learning boundaries are really important. Yeah. And of course, I can't rebel too much. You know, I'm 41 now and, you know, I have these souls that depend on me. But yeah, I don't comply as much as I used to. But I still, you know, and I want my children to not comply. And I want them to question. I want them to question, which I was thinking of your latest um, guest on your Mm -hmm. podcast. And I just bought her book. Yes, everybody, check out my episode about the good news about bad behavior. Yeah. It's with an award-winning journalist, and she's also a parent educator. Her name is Catherine Reynolds-Lewis. Check out that episode. We talk about, you know, being raised in authoritarian households Mm -hmm. where it was, like, be the good girl. I was just talking to my shrink yesterday about that because I said sometimes I get frustrated with being a progressive parent. Like, is it going to bite me in the tail? You know, I don't want to just tell my kid no, but sometimes I do want to tell them no. But, you know, it is good to treat kids like people because they are people and to hear a little bit of where they're coming from. And, of course, we know what's best from them. We're going to tell them, no, don't put your hand on the hot stove because we don't want them to get burned. But I think especially as women, we were just taught to be good mm-hmm. and quiet. And quiet and, and compliant. Compliant. Yeah. With Sabrina, my four-and-a-half-year-old who is untamed, she <laughs> she has had the best reasons mm-hmm. for her, not outbursts, but, but – okay, so – Sometimes if if she'll get really upset about something, Mm -hmm. if I actually get down on her level Mm -hmm. and make eye contact and listen, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm totally surprised Mm -hmm. about why she's upset. And the reason she's upset actually has a lot of validity. I agree. I think almost every single time, you know, when they were little and toddlers, they needed to what? Eat, sleep. And be kept play. warm or play. Yeah, right. I mean, and oh, if, and they're little, or something little, little, little like you kind of knew, like those were what they need. And they kind of still need the same things. Like if my kids are acting out, generally they're tired or hungry or whatever. It's getting into deeper things now, of course. Bad, you know, something bad happened at school. Mm. Yeah. So I, when I, yeah, when I pick them up from school in the car, I just, I am trying to be a calmer person so I can just take it all in. Because I know they're, like, going through stuff instead of me exploding at them. And I think part of, again, back to doing the show was I was brought up also with a lot of secrecy. You don't talk about things. I think it's our generation of our parents, too. Well, might have been a little heightened at my house. But um, so this has been so freeing for me to see women talk about this. Like, I think when I first moved to California, I would have thought, these are California weirdos talking about – they're seriously, you know, like – Oh my gosh, she's talking about that in public. But you were an actor. But that that's acting. This is telling your real, real story. story. So you were okay with truth telling as a character. For listeners yeah. who don't know, I was Yeah. I'm a recovering actor and <laughs> that's what it drew me to the theater mm-hmm. at a young age was 
this is my chance uh-huh. to share the share the secrets. Share the secrets. Yeah, and it is. I think I found it more through writing at that time. I mean, I just I wasn't acting as much as I was like writing or producing little mm-hmm. skits or anything. But um, but yeah, definitely acting is. Absolutely. A way to shine light on what's going on. Uh, How did your family feel Mm. about you producing these shows? Oh, my gosh. So every time I I used to perform and my mom would say, oh, no, you're performing again. (laughs) She goes, are you talking about me? Yeah. So what was your response? um, One time I did. She was really uncomfortable with that. But it wasn't negative. It was just funny. But... Yeah, my bro, my you know, a few family members have asked me not to talk about them on stage, and I do talk. I do, yeah, I honor that. Um, so, this is a theme that comes up on Atomic Moms a lot. Uh-huh. Right? Like, how do you honor your own story right. while respecting someone else's privacy? Well, I think it's a choice you make. So, Jillian Lauren, she's a best-selling author. I went to a memoir retreat with her. And Claire Bidwell-Smith and Jenny Feldon. The three of them it put it on. It's by Story and Soul. And they haven't done it in a while because they're deep in new books now. But that topic came up and they said, look, you make the choice. You do it and you risk severing relationships. So that's your choice to make. And um, that has not happened in expressing motherhood with the show. You know, it's one night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a family member that I did talk about. And that that's fine. You, but I had somebody at the door. I said, hey, this person shows up. Just, you know, don't let him in. <laughs> no, <sorry. laughs> I've actually, and I've so had a great. few women say, if this person shows up, here's their picture. You know, you got to let me know. Oh, my god! And it's all like our deep-seated fears because that right. those people live states away. But yeah. we're so paranoid about right. it. You know what I mean? And it, it's not. It's people who've been through a form of abuse generally. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's their way of getting back their power. So it's not somebody saying, oh, my mother-in-law, you know, bossed me around. It's it's deeper than that. So, oh, yeah. You this know is, what I'm ta- uh, that's what I'm talking yes. about. I, I want to make sure I'm, like, clear. I make sure that people are protected in the show, This people who are talked about as well. They, they this won't- feels like suddenly like Fight Club. Like, this is like oh a very God. secret thing. I love it. It's like <laughs> oh, this no. chance for mothers right. to get on stage and share yeah. without having to deal with being on the world stage of, like, the internet where it's just, yeah. like, the potential and creeps think- and jerks. Totally. How has motherhood changed? Like, is it? Because I'm a mother now that it feels like everybody's talking about motherhood. Right. <laughs> or yeah. or has there been a shift in the past five years? Because you've been doing this for a decade now. It's much more saturated now. I mean, of course. So it's great. That means more people are hopefully speaking up. What's the importance of sharing your story? Because when you when you keep your secret in, it makes everything magnified. Or your story, right? And so if you share it, your load is lightened. And then also you can hopefully lighten somebody else's load. And then they can reach out to that person. And I've seen lots of friendships um, form because of that. In closing, can you share a little bit about the mom community that you had when you were raising your kids? So the community I've had, obviously, through Expressing Motherhood, and I met most of my moms walking in the hills of Hollywood, um, pregnant. And I would I met, 
you know, Ann Litt, who's a local DJ for KCRW. And we just looked at each other like, what's your number? Give me your number. That's just how it was there. Because I think we were also desperate to find mom friends. So, yeah, so what's your pickup line? Literally, that was, we would see each other pregnant and just be like, oh yeah, we, we would just start talking over like, give me your number, drop your number in my mailbox. <laughs> when are you due? I don't know. But I met so many people that way who I'm, our friends are, I mean, our children are lifelong friends. And you said that they, you would get together at a different person's home. Yeah, I really lucked out. I was feeling so isolated. And I actually, um, I met those people pregnant, but then all of them had nannies except for me. So I had a few months where I was like, oh no. I got to go back to Iowa. I'm dying here. But finally, Anne, the mom, set up a play group, a play date. And we did it every day of the week at from four to five, a revolving person's home. And it was it was amazing. So it would be nannies, you know, and sometimes parents and a mixture of us. But it was uh, it was amazing. It helped my sanity. Yeah. So I'm all about like not trying not to be too isolated. Thank you so much. Thank Lindsay. you, Ellie. Okay, so Thank where you. can everybody find you and Expressing Motherhood? Yeah, so Expressing Motherhood has a website, expressingmotherhood.com. We're on Instagram at Expressing Motherhood. And we're on Twitter, Exmo Show. And of course, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Woohoo! Okay, everybody on social media, also hit us up at Atomic Moms. On Instagram, I've been sharing weird Insta stories. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes I'm crying. You never know what you're going to get with me. Uh, What else? Oh, we have a Facebook community. It's like a private group. So you just go to the main Facebook page and then you can sign up, sign in. Please leave a review, a written review on iTunes. It helps new mamas find us. Please share this episode and others. Uh, with your girlfriends, with your pediatrician, with <laughs> with the the neighbor, yes, with the next pregnant woman you see. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna quickly say, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, the atomic moms, because I want mommy tonk to uh, close this out for us. See you next week. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. She flew her mom in town, booked at a sweet hotel, not in the same day. She knows what's up That bitch did her kegels right She's free to cough and sneeze And jump on a trampoline Whatever she damn well please I want her size two jeans I want her credit score Can a bitch get a single pony